Hello, everyone, and welcome to Privacy Tech Talk, the podcast about everything privacy tech. I'm your host, Fahad Diwan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carlos Chalico. Today, we have two very special guests working on a revolutionary new privacy technology. I've been looking forward to interviewing them for quite some time now. So I'm very, very excited that we have the co-CEOs of Reliance AI on our podcast Abby and Leila, thank you so much for making time to be on our podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. So let's just dive right in. What does Reliance.ai do? Sure. Happy to take that one, Fahad. And thanks for having us, Carlos and Fahad. It's great to be here. So let's talk about Reliance AI and really what we're building and what the vision is for bringing privacy technology to a place that actually works for technology organizations. So we have the first really deeply technical data privacy and data governance platform. To date, there have really been only two types of solutions. Those solutions that automate the process of sending forms and surveys, and then those solutions which are really focused on database scanning. Neither of those have worked for the privacy tech space. There's a lot to say on that. We're happy to dive into that a little bit more later. But Reliance's approach is really to take a code-first perspective so that we embed within the way engineering teams and legal teams, privacy and data governance and security teams operate so we can offer a holistic privacy and data governance platform that's really focused on that foundational data inventory and data map, and then offers a series of other modules ranging from working on data subject requests to data protection assessments that include all types of assessments, whether you have your TIA or the transfer impact assessment, you're evaluating a new vendor or otherwise. So really offering that holistic solution with a very quick implementation time of only four to five hours with a data inventory and map that's typically done manually that takes anywhere from four to five months. Thank you. I have a challenge for you both, Leila and Abby. Think of me as if I was a five-year-old and if I was your, your favorite nephew and I am mm-hmm. coming to you both and I am saying, Uncle Abby, Auntie Leila, I want to know what you do. What would you say to me to explain to me what is it that your solution does and how is it that your solution works? Yeah, I'll take that one, Carlos. Definitely a great challenge of describing something as nuanced as privacy. So nephew Carlos, what we do is we look at all the source code that builds the programs or tools that you use. We look at software infrastructure or applications that different companies build or the games that you play and also look at how different companies are collecting your data or helping them bring visibility into how they're collecting their data and compare and contrast it to what is required of them or what they disclose to their customers. So if you play a game which collects your personal data and tells you that we do X, Y, and Z, we help that gaming company understand if what they're committing to their customers actually matches with what they're actually doing in their software, in their applications, in their infrastructures, and in their contracts. The way we do that is basically a couple of interesting and novel ways of looking at privacy differently. So first, just let me take a step back and highlight the fact that in order to build a good privacy and data governance program, you need to have visibility across the data flow graph of your organization, across your internal products, your databases, your marketing and sales tools, and SaaS applications. And what Reliance does is Reliance takes this view of that 90 to 95% of that information that we're looking for actually lives in your code infrastructure, APIs, databases, and 
SaaS applications. So instead of asking humans on what we do, we actually instrument. So we actually look at your source code as it is being developed. We instrument in a very passive way your runtime software infrastructure and look at the logs, metrics, and traces, and also look at APIs of SaaS applications that you use and sort of reverse engineer a flow of how data is being processed and what is the semantic intent of the applications on processing that data and compare and contrast that with regulatory requirements, your own contractual obligations, your own privacy statements, to make sure if the North Star of what you commit to your vendors, customers, and users actually matches with what you're actually doing and do this on a continuous dynamic basis so that it's set on an autopilot, if you will, rather than playing catch up, which is what happens in the industry today. And this part is what really sets Reliance apart is that we are not just focused on doing a, a point in time data inventory and mapping, we are actually focused on that continuously live data inventory and mapping. So every time a new build is pushed, new code is pushed, that we have shifted left into that CI/CD pipeline, we're embedded into the way engineering teams operate today. And we're not just acting as that point in time, what did data look like at that point? And we are really embedding privacy by design. And this was one of my big gripes about some of the tooling that's out there today is that it is just there are workflow solutions. There are point in time database scanners. These are not actually solutions that are going to keep things up to date and do privacy by design in the way that we really need to do as data protection professionals. Then if you would say, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah. So where did you find the inspiration to, to come with this idea and to make a reliance a reality? Uh, so so I think it's also been, you know, I've been in the space for 15 years. Um, so partially, Carlos, the honest answer is a little bit of frustration. <laughs> you know, this is a really hard and yet a very important problem that almost every organization processing a human's information is facing. How do we manage how information of people is actually processed within our organization? How do we do that? What are the steps that we can put into place here? And after seeing this dozens and dozens of times with various clients, you know, whether they are in IoT or HR or autonomous vehicles or fintech, they all have the same problems repeating over and over again. What data do we have? Who's accessing that data? And how is that information being processed? And yet when you have people out there like yourselves in the privacy space fighting the good fight, <laughs> really trying to find good ways to process people's data to do good privacy, and yet there's no tooling that can help with this, it makes the task almost impossible. Data protection professionals have in many cases just been set up for failure. How can you as a small team, or sometimes even just a team of one or a handful of people really embed privacy when you have this whole team of dozens, if not hundreds of engineers who are building products and pushing new code. And then suddenly, just because May 25th, 2018 happens, we've got the GDPR in place. It doesn't mean that suddenly engineers are going to stop what they're doing. And our approach is really, we need to embed within the way engineers are operating. We need to embed within what I call the innovation machine instead of trying to push against it. Have privacy be a part of innovation instead of trying to push against how engineering teams are operating because that approach doesn't really work. And so in partnering with Abi, what we've been able to come up with are real solutions that ensure that we are embedded into the way engineers operate to make it easy to do good privacy instead of the other way around. And something I noticed you said is that you are 
promoting with the solution the principle or the set of principles from privacy by design, which is great, which is now mandatory based on, on different regulations. So talking a little bit about your customers, who are your customers? I mean, I am talking about two pieces here. The first one is what type of companies are the ones that are coming to you to get reliance? And from within these companies, who's the buyer? Who's the executive that is interested in having this solution in the organization? So number one, the problem of privacy is so universally applicable that what we have seen in our journey with Reliance is we have a very market segment, market vertical agnostic sales motion. So speaking of customers, we're able to provide value to customers no matter what segment they come from. So if you go on the Reliance AI website today, Carlos, and you scroll three times, you'll find a list of logos that we actually support today. So we're helping companies in the communication platform, companies like Zoom and Dialpad. We have New Relic, which is an APM infrastructure monitoring companies, Five Brand, IoT companies, healthcare companies, and so on and so forth. So the idea here is because privacy is so cross-functional, so universal, and the approach that Leila was talking about before, that we've taken a very engineering-oriented approach to solving for privacy, we're able to help companies across different segments, different verticals in a consistent way because the First principles approach for privacy works for everyone, no matter whether you're making yoga pants via Lululemon or launching space rockets like Elon Musk. With respect to your second half of your question of who are the buyers? So obviously privacy started as a, especially in the Silicon Valley, the reaction to GDPR. We should have always cared about this, but we cared about a little bit more because of the regulation. Therefore, it started off as a legal problem. So even today in our customer base, our first entry point, the first education point or touch base is usually towards somebody like Leila, who is a data protection officer at a company or a chief privacy officer, because they really understand the regulatory obligations and want to operationalize privacy. But then as we walk our journey into a particular account, what happens is we really resonate and connect with engineering, the CISO's office. Because operationalizing privacy is also as much as an engineering security problem than it is just a legal problem. So we kind of today find a 70-30 split, if you will, where primary advocates or buyers are from the legal privacy office and 30% on security and engineering. But over a period of time, we expect those ratios will flip, just like it has happened in the security industry, where privacy and privacy by design, privacy engineering actually becomes more of a engineering first mindset rather than just a check the box regulation mindset. So then are the users of Reliance, are they lawyers? Are they engineers? Because I know Reliance is taking a shift left approach. And to your earlier point, Leila, which I loved that you want privacy to keep pace with innovation. And then Abi, it seems like a lot of the buyers still come from legal and now increasingly more from security. But your products, users, are they legal, technical, or both? All of the above, Fahad. And I think this is the exact point that we are trying to drive home. Privacy is almost a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't quite fit nicely within legal or just engineering or just data governance or security. Privacy is everyone's responsibility. And it is probably one of the most cross-functional domains of any other area in a an organization. So our buyers are certainly on the legal side and they're on the engineering side. And our product has been architected in such a way 
that we empower and enable lawyers to speak in code, as in we are using a translation layer between the code analysis that we do and how this is presented to the legal team so they can talk intelligently to engineers. And while we're allowing lawyers to speak in code, we equally allow engineers to speak in contract. And this is something that really helps our product to stand out because engineers have just as many questions as, as lawyers might as far as how can we process the data? What are our obligations or what are our restrictions? So we've also found it really interesting that in addition to our engineers as buyers in the 30% of cases that Abi mentioned, we're also finding data scientists very interested in what we're doing. Because why? Because the faster you can get answers to questions about what you can do with data, the more innovation a company can have because they don't need to be uh, held up trying to kind of navigate complex documents, but actually this will be surfaced in a way that is digestible and understandable by all of these different types of technology buyers as well. That That's incredible, Leila. And I think that you touched upon a point that I strongly believe in, which is that the future privacy professional won't necessarily be somebody from a compliance background or legal background. It's going to be this hybrid individual that is well-versed in data science that can get their hands dirty with technology and it has a foundational understanding of the law. So I love that you brought that point out and I love that Reliance is taking that approach. With these scenarios you're facing, the clients you're working with, these technologies you are offering to the market, what are the challenges you see? How is it that you think the environment is going to be impacting your company, perhaps the market, perhaps the product itself? How do you see as challenges in the future? I definitely think there are many challenges. Uh, and in order to kind of go over them one by one, let me just lay out a standard S-curve of macro maturity of product in, in any domain, right? We are very early in the innings of privacy technology, data governance technology. In fact, even the incumbent in the space is like four or five years old as a company. So whenever you have this kind of a dynamic, it's sort of a very green field scenario for a lot of interesting action to occur and a lot of innovation to occur in that space. And for a company like Reliance that takes a very forward-looking approach towards privacy, like we were discussing before, I think the first challenge is just the challenge of education. Helping people rewrite the playbook and mindset that 90% of the information you're looking for in building your privacy program actually lives in your code, in your infrastructure, in your APIs, in your tooling. So you should instrument those things from the perspective of privacy. And the, these concepts have existed in the world for other purposes. We just have to apply it to the semantic intent discovery of the application. So that's one where I think, and people are appreciative of that, where I think when Leila and I as we sell to our customers or prove value to our customers, a lot of time people go like, oh, we're actually looking at code. How is that helping with my privacy program? And it, it takes a while to actually re kind of find the elephant in the room that data is a side effect of code, not the other way around. So you can have four petabytes of data derived from four lines of an ETL pipeline. And if you can actually instrument that four lines of code, you can have a very proactive view of what is going to happen with respect to their data concerns and downstream challenges with respect to that. So I think number one is that. Second, I do think that there is a general macro challenge, which I think double clicks on the point Leila was making before, even when she was a DPO and looking for solutions before we started Alliances. Quickly, there are some point solutions in the market, which is like 
you know, let's do some workflows, let's automate and send some forms, or let's scan some databases, which are make the waters a little murky because you feel like, okay, maybe this could help, or this way of solving for privacy could be helpful. And actually what ends up happening is if you're not very thoughtful about it in this market, it might waste time for a lot of people working collaboratively on privacy, which we which we face. In fact, many times when we started in the early days of Reliance, the first 20 minutes of our product demo was actually a therapy session on how they have hated all the products that exist in the market or approaches or ways of solving these things that don't actually work. So I think that's the second thing. And the third challenge uh, that I think I will wrap up with is helping execute, uh, and especially for us as Reliance as a company, execute with higher levels of operational excellence and efficiency so that we can actually bring forth all the problems that functional pillars people need to solve in privacy and compliance, even though we have chosen to start solve the hardest problem first, but actually the most foundational problem, which is creating a live dynamic data inventory and data map. Everything on your privacy program builds on that foundation. So I think it, in, in summary, at least in point of view, those are the top three sort of general market challenges for us. Yeah, and the the last point in particular, I want to underscore uh, that that Abhi was just mentioning here. We scaled so fast. You know, I know that these are champagne problems, and you know, we are super grateful that our message and our solution has really resonated in the market in a way that I think other software tools that are out there just haven't. So keeping up with that scale and rising to the level of supporting not only you know medium-sized companies, uh, but also large publicly traded organizations processing tremendous amounts of data, keeping up with that level of scale as only a two-and-a-half-year-old company has definitely been both a challenge and I think a really exciting opportunity because it stretched the bounds of what's possible. We're very fortunate in that we received um, you know, multiple rounds of funding from Unusual Ventures and Menlo Ventures. This has empowered and enabled us to grow at a speed that I think is helping us to really keep up with the market demand. And we just see privacy as one of the most exciting areas of technology growth and development. This is only going to increase in time, as we can see with the domino effect of regulations and laws that are popping up across the world from GDPR that just set off a historic legal shift in data protection. So to scale at that level and to support customers that are having very similar problems, they don't have visibility real time into data flows it has just been an awesome experience. And we're both really excited about what the future has in store. And precisely talking about the future, with this rating of the challenges, you can see what's the future for Reliance? What do you see in the horizon for your company? So everything Salesforce has done for the CRM space, we want to do for compliance, reliance for compliance, privacy and data governance. And what we have seen is that the data map and inventory, it is the foundational, it is the most important piece of building a privacy program because quite literally every area of your data protection program rests on that foundational and always live data inventory and map, which we talk about as needing to continuously be seismic safe. But once we can get that seismic safe data inventory and map, we're from San Francisco, so we talk about earthquakes a lot here. So once we have that seismic safe inventory and map, what that means for us is that no matter how information is changing and no matter how laws shake us up as an organization and suddenly we have new requirements coming out of something like 30 states across the United States right now, or maybe we have a new federal data protection law. 
the only thing certain about the future of privacy is that it will be constantly uncertain. We don't exactly know where the law is headed right now, but what we can do is ensure a couple of things. So first, to build a platform in the space of data privacy and data protection, we need that always live data inventory and map, and then every pillar of the platform with every new law that is being adopted um, and, and rolled out, that we will be able to meet the requirements there because we have observability into exactly what is going on inside of our house. We cannot necessarily shape what is happening outside of our organization, but if we have that opportunity to understand exactly what is going on with information flows, then no matter how the law changes, no matter which jurisdictions we want to expand our business to, and no matter which pillars of the privacy and data governance program that we want to roll out, whether it's data subject requests, data protection assessments, if we want to just explain to our executive team how we're ensuring trust with user data, that all rests on a foundational understanding of exactly what's going on with information flows. So we definitely want to become, Carlos, a generational company. That's our vision for Reliance. Large, publicly traded. We think the sky is the limit. Great. Thank you, Layla. And you know, the great thing about Reliance is that you're approaching the problem in a unique and revolutionary way, technically speaking, but you're also approaching building a technology company in a unique way, operationally speaking. There are two CEOs. Very few companies have co-CEO. So can you please tell me more about what inspired you to go this route? It's a fun question. We get this all the time. So, um, and then we recognize it's slightly an unusual structure, although it's becoming actually very common these days. But number one, I think the foundation of Reliance, we like to say we are building the trust and governance infrastructure for the internet. And the foundation of Reliance is grounded in trust. So Leila and I actually knew each other as friends for five years before we ever started Alliance. So that was the number one factor of us actually knowing each other well and having that trust with each other as friends and co-founders now to be able to take that journey. Also, it, it was a very intentional decision for Had. It wasn't like we are two founders, so let's split it in the middle. But we knew that we are going to approach this a very nuanced, very cross-functional domain with a very cross-functional technology. So being able to actually produce a piece of technology that is a set intersection of our brains, Leila and mine, and our experiences really reflects that into our product and into the day-to-day on how we build a product. The other thing is we are a sophisticated technology where like, you know, we do static code analysis for privacy cases. Like how many times are you going to hear that for when you're trying to say we need to comply with GDPR, it doesn't feel like these two dots connect, but they really do. So when you're looking at a domain that requires sophisticated tech with a very sophisticated nuance and legal and domain understanding, our co-CEO structure really allows us to represent that holistically and bake that into the foundations and the operations of the company every single day. And that's what we've been doing consistently from day one and actually has been, you know, our biggest strengths and our secrets. Well, not so secret anymore, but uh, definitely our biggest strengths. <laughs> and it's it's been really effective. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, privacy is not some rigid issue that is just a legal issue or just an engineering issue. And with our structure as co-CEOs, it's enabled us to speak to our core buyers because anytime we are closing a deal, especially in large enterprise, 
we are always engaged with the CISO at some level, with someone on the engineering side, and of course, the data privacy officer, the data protection professional, the lawyers. And so with our structure, it's also enabled us to resonate really deeply with our customer base. So they they get us. It's kind of like your people talking to your people. And it, it has really been effective for us. And like Abby said, it's also been a more commonly adopted structure. We recognized Salesforce earlier. Also Workday has co-CEOs. That's my, my former company. And so we recognize this doesn't always work in every case, but for Reliance and given our business model, this structure is really logical and it works best for our business and resonating with with both buyers, the engineering buyer and the legal and privacy buyer. Great, great. Thank you, Leila and Abby. That's great to hear. You know, on my last startup, which failed, we had three co-founders and we didn't get to the point where we decided to assign formal roles to one another. And so my other founder, one was an engineer, the other one was a lawyer, and me and the lawyer would just end up arguing <laughs> most of the day about the right approach, where to go next. He's one of the smartest people I know, but you put two lawyers in a room, at least these two lawyers, all we'd ever do is get into these long-winded debates. So I'm glad that, at least in, in Reliance's case, having two CEOs is a source of strength, and it seems to be serving your company very very well, given the recent scale that your company's been experiencing and the additional funding. Oh, we argue uh, quite a bit ourselves too, but it's, <laughs> in a way. it's just that my smile is too hard to resist. So that's it, guys. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Thank you. So we have explored the challenges you see for your company in particular, but if we try to make it a little bit more general. And if we think of the challenges that privacy around the world is facing, what are the ones you see? What are those challenges you think privacy is going to be facing in the time to come? Well, I think it's going to be a particular challenge for organizations to just keep up with the sheer amount of legislation that's coming out of different jurisdictions. So I, I see this certainly as a legislative challenge and also really a, a tooling challenge. Finding the right solutions that are going to work in the way that organizations are working. And I think with COVID and the shift to everything online, it expedited the technology is eating the world transition in a way that has truly been unprecedented. And keeping up with just the sheer amount of information that is processed in a way that makes sense so that we aren't, as, as data protection professionals, sort of chasing down engineers and, and always acting after the fact. I, I think this is probably, and actually this is not even totally a new problem. I think it's it's increased though in its importance because of the shift we just talked about. But it's always been very difficult for data protection professionals to come into an organization and have to roll out controls and protections when you're operating with one hand tied behind your back. How can you roll out controls and protections on information when you don't even know what information you have, who's accessing it, and what's being done to that information? So I see this as probably the biggest thing that is going to face organizations going forward, but this is exactly what we are out to solve for with Reliance. Yeah, and I just want to double click on the tooling part, especially because that has been been definitely and it will continue to get worse as we scale and become even more a digitally entrenched society. And not just as founders for Alliance, because we've taken a unique approach, but for any listeners of this podcast, I really encourage to think about this problem systematically. If you are just using solutions which move the pain from your spreadsheet to the browser or move the pain from the spreadsheet back to the code base as documentation exercise, 
or you're just scanning data after the fact and we're just increasing and instrumenting everything. And I mean, in Silicon Valley, for most tech culture, the culture has been instrument everything, collect all the data, and we'll figure out what to do with it later. We'll figure out a way to monetize. I mean, that's the reality of it. And what happens is on one side, you have this force of ever-changing regulation, like Leila talked about, and then you're applying these point-in-time incorrectly thought through non-sustainable solutions, it's just going to cause a big problem. And then if you, you know, you're reading the news today, trust in organizations in our own government is at the lowest level today in, in our history. And so I think hopefully privacy acts as the lever that helps save that as us as a society. But that's the big challenge. If you cannot keep up with regulations on a first principles level, and especially have tooling that goes to the source of where change occurs in an organization. And that's an API, that's a line of code, that's a data exchange between systems, then you can't just ever solve for this problem. And the biggest concern and the absolute worst case scenario, and this is a complete collapse of trust within organizations and their particular users. And I, I don't think anybody wants that. There are so many other challenges here, Carlos. It's hard to keep the, the answer know. too short because there are also major issues with data localization. I think this is really fascinating. Obviously, we've seen with some of the SHREMS decisions that data localization is becoming top of mind. We have the Irish Data Protection Authority saying that you know Facebook may not be able to transfer European data back to the United States. I mean, these are very serious data localization questions. And some argue that sometimes this is protectionism wrapped in privacy. You know, is that true? Are we trying to protect certain jurisdictions or are we having practical real world solutions to some of these data protection challenges in a way that is going to make sense for organizations so that we're not punishing organizations trying to do the right thing with information, but we are empowering them so that there are options. Thank you. And, and you are right. You both are right. We are leaving a cycle of distrust globally. And uh, the interesting part, the exciting part, I guess, is that privacy is seen as one of those elements that can help the world restore this cycle of trust. Thank you so much for all the comments. It's been a very interesting session. I would like to ask you now to share with our listeners, how is it that they can find you? How is it that they can approach you? Please let us know, websites, Twitters, whatever you think is the right channel for you to interact with people. That will be great, uh, Leila and Abby. And if you can please share with us as well a final comment, a closing comment, that will be perfect. Sure. So you can reach us at Reliance, it's R-E-L-Y-A-N-C-E dot A-I. Abby and I are both available on Twitter. And then I guess my final comment would be privacy. It's in the code. <laughs> That's what I was going to go with, Leila. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Brainwaves. Uh, I would say my parting comment, firstly, thank you for having us both, Carlos and Fahad, and to all the listeners. If you are not thinking about privacy as a strategic advantage in your product building exercise in your organizations, whether you're on the engineering side, legal side, executive side. To your point, Carlos, 10 years from now, I won't be surprised if we live in a stakeholder economy where actually your consumers participate in the scale of, and actually your, your consumers become your stakeholders. And trust is very paramount to that. So let's shift privacy as from a regulatory check the box compliance to a strategic level to build trust with your organizations. And it completely changes the game in how you build solutions and treat your customers. 
Abby, Leila, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for adopting me as your new favorite nephew. Uh, <laughs> the really gray beard on your favorite nephew. Yeah, to be a five-year-old. Yeah, that's something. And for our listeners, if you want to get in touch with Fahad or myself, you know that you can use the traditional channels. Let us know what you want to listen. Let us know the ideas you have. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And you can find me on Twitter as Carlos Chalico and same on LinkedIn. And what about you, Fahad? Uh, same, Fahad Diwan on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thank you everyone for listening. Until next time. <laughs>